everybody, I'm Frankie. And I'm Daniel. And this is Propagated Podcast. Welcome to our much anticipated episode that I am very excited about where we talk shit about lawns for an hour. <laughs> we have been waiting quite a while for this one. I really adore that like this is what we're known for is like destroying and dismantling lawn culture. <laughs> God, I would I mean if, if I feel like we can make any kind of den at all that's Exactly. Great. No, seriously. I was looking up the numbers and I started feeling actually nauseous by how bad this is. Yeah. Like I don't know that I've ever actually looked at like stats really. I, oh, oh, don't worry. I got them for you. Oh, wow. It's, I'm sure it's going to be a great time. <laughs> oh, um, the whole time I was just yelling. I was taking notes and I was going, no. Ah! <laughs> God, I don't know if I'm ready. I got to brace myself for this. All right, everyone. Listen, let's start this off by saying, first of all, we are not trying to shame you for your front lawns. Maybe a little bit, but not really. Second of all, if you have an HOA, I immediately forgive you because HOAs, I did a lot of research into that. And hoo hoo, boy, HOAs are a thing. If that's not just a hell of a thing oh, right there. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of history there. <laughs> and um, three, you know, I feel like the culture actually is changing. So welcome. Welcome yeah, to the slow future. but surely. Slowly but surely. Like the, the numbers are looking better. I will say that. Like we are changing as a culture, which is very exciting. You know, it's time. It's time. But before we get into the episode that is to happen, I'm sure. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercups. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a uh, little bit of an article Yay! from SciTech Daily. So the title of the article is Beer Byproduct Mixed with Manure Proves an Excellent Pesticide <gasps> and Increase Crop Yields. Oh, I love this. Okay. Tell me more. So the study currently has been done on lettuce crops. They've done it for a year to see what would happen. And apparently um, a common thing that happens with lettuce crops is they have nematodes that live in the soil. Mm -hmm. They eat through the root and lay their eggs, which causes the roots to get a gall, mm. which prevents the lettuce from being able to efficiently and properly take in the amount of nutrients it normally could from the soil. The gall of those nematodes. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I draw so the line at that pun. I draw the line at that pun. All right, the podcast is over, everyone. Pack it up. Go home. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Please tell me more. I want to know more. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, when you're creating beer and even other processes in the agricultural industry, you're going to have byproduct from that. Mm. And a couple of those byproducts are rapeseed cakes and beer bagasse, I think is how you pronounce it. Hmm. And they're using those and mixing them with fresh cow manure to provide an organic treatment for soil Ooh. that has been shown to essentially disinfest an entire crop's worth of soil, which is great. And it's also helping preserve the healthy soil microorganisms because they're not bothered by it and increase crop yields. Yeah, that makes sense. So really yeah. it's only attacking the nematodes 
And apparently the results are like really great, really positive results in the previous studies. Um, And the high nitrogen content promotes the activity of the beneficial microorganisms in the soil, which then in turn helps break down the organic matter like the manure Mm. and kill off the nematodes and other parasites. So it's kind of just this perfect little thing that they're studying to make sure that it's not going to have any kind of negative impacts later on. Yeah, yeah. But it seems to be a nice organic way to not use chemical treatments for nematodes. That is super cool. I like, are you telling me that I should like dump my beer drags and my shit into my garden? <laughs> just kidding. We can't make another joke no. in the garden where we're just peeing and shitting in our gardens. <laughs> I know. you. I promise that Frankie doesn't live like that all the time. Uh, Mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did I tell you that my mom was like, oh, yeah, I listened to your podcast. Yeah, you did. It's like, oh, "Oh, God. Oh, Oh, God. God. (laughs) It's like, are you enjoying it? Because it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, no, what episode? She was like, oh, you know, the one where you're joking about peeing in your garden. And I was like, oh. She's like, no, it was hilarious. I loved it. I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Except was it actually a joke? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) well no I haven't yet but like the issue is that like I didn't really plan out my garden well and it's like not easy to pee into (laughs) but that makes sense I couldn't see that being a thing yeah I didn't do very nice rows like I just kind of live and learn seeds in the ground so yeah you know what live and learn learn. next year next there's always next year you got to think about the peeability of your garden. <laughs> <laughs> now we've lost all followers. Thank you so much, oh, everyone, Lord. for sticking with us this long. Let's talk shit about lawns. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you like to start? Do you want to start with the history? Because I know that that's your jam. I think it might make the most sense to give a little bit of a background first. All right, let's do it. And then move into the hate. The hate the and the current and the fixing. How we, the fixing, how we do the fixing. (laughs) You know, it's an important thing, the fixing. Yeah. So the word lawn etymologically comes from Middle English, uh, the word londa, which was used to describe (laughs) natural glades found in forests and plains. That sounds like some little pixie term. You're like, londa. Right. I don't know that I'm saying it right either. That's just how I imagine it being said in Middle English. You know, um, hey, whatever. If you're new here, uh, we don't know how to pronounce anything. We try our best. <laughs> Pronunciation <laughs> is not our uh, forte on this on this uh, podcast here that we run. Email us at propagatedpodcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> I did even try and like look it up and oh, like yeah. find a pronunciation mm-hmm. key for it, but I found it pronounced like 10 different ways and that mm-hmm. was the way that i thought sounded the nicest to me I so that's what that. i went for perfect but some of the earliest cultivated lawns that you would have seen would be in france and britain and they were actually used as an unobstructed view of anyone that would approach a castle mm. hostile or other ways other ways hostile or otherwise that makes um sense. And then if you look at like historical text, you'll see the word lawn used, but it's a lot of times talking about uh, lawns that were cultivated for animal grazing. And I'm not going to be talking about any of that today. Yeah. Only talking about lawn for show. Lawn <laughs> like for show. Yeah. Grazing. Human lawns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so by the 16th century, you start seeing lawns that were being intentionally grown by the wealthy. And it was literally just to prove their wealth for no other reason, just to prove their wealth. Um, fun fact, 
In the 16th century, a lot of these lawns actually weren't grass, so I'm not going to hate too hard on the 16th century people either. <laughs> Most of them were uh, either uh, chamomile or thyme, which I don't hate. Hell yeah. Two of so, my favorites that I was going to talk about in our like replenishing part. Yes. Thyme and chamomile are great. So... Fast, so I'm fast forwarding again. I'm just skipping. I'm letting you know I'm skipping over parts of history that do include lawns, but because I don't hate those lawns and I'm only focusing on the lawns we hate <laughs> today. This is a full-on negative. Ep- no, it's not. We're, okay. <laughs> I really want to start this out, though, with like we're not doing this in bad intentions. Like we are doing this because currently the way that we are right now is very, very, very much obviously not sustainable. Lawn culture right now is literally destroying a lot of natural environment and it is bad and it is killing off a lot of species. When we say save the bees, we don't mean honeybees. We don't mean livestock because honeybees are livestock. We mean like the wild bees, the wild creatures, like without basically lawn culture has taken over all of the you know, sustainable parts of our earth, which I'll talk about later. But anyways, sorry, I got a little revved up. I'm already ready to go. We are not trying to shame you. We are not trying to shame lawns. It is just like, yeah. whew. I do think that's an important thing to say, especially if you're renting or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Or like Frankie said, if you have an HOA, anything, anything of that nature, obviously you're not going to be able to fix the fact that you have a lawn. And we're not talking shit about you. We're yes. talking shit about the culture around yes, the absolutely. fact that they exist in the begin to begin with. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you for eloquently putting my feelings <laughs> into words. <laughs> um, so it was actually in the 17th century, England and France, that we start to see grass lawns. And wealthy landowners were the only people who could afford to keep a staff to mow their lawns and keep them up. And when I say that, keep in mind that this was pre-lawnmower era. There was mm. like no device created to mow these lawns. Oh my gosh, were they out there with... Freaking scissors. So literally, <laughs> literally, it was they were it was being done with a scythe, no, and it had to be precisely no, done wasn't. with a scythe. Oh my god! And then it was hand weeded. <gasps> oh, you poor baby. So keeping a lawn took an absolute massive amount. That's of That's a full time job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That they kept staff for it. Literally. Yeah. yeah. So this obviously sparked, or was like the beginning of seeing lawns as a mark of wealth and status. I'm not going to dwell too deep on it. I want to talk about North American lawns because I feel like that... I'm going to talk about the history and we'll get into why that's what I'm focusing on. Yeah, perfect. So immigrants to North America from Northern Europe are to be blamed for the lawn here. The -hmm. seeds were from two different groups. Some were intentionally brought and some were accidental carryovers. A lot of weeds were accidental carryovers. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to Europe, the original lawn owners here were also very wealthy. But over the course of time, it went from popular for the wealthy to common for everyone, Mm -hmm. which is where the issue really started. Yeah. If you want to look at the original reason for lawns becoming more popular, you can blame the Scots. (laughs) Scotland (laughs) had a large amount of grassland. So it makes sense then that golf and lawn bowling, which were dependent on these lush cut grasslands, um, were both developed in their modern forms in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, you when you start looking at the net nature of things coming over here, you have these Scottish immigrants coming and 
along with them, obviously they want to bring their sports with them and and their their like pastimes, stuff like that. So they were creating lawns here primarily to play these games. And it's pretty crazy how much of an impact this actually had because it's essentially what gave this like lawns the purchase to expand here. Um, in Canada, it was uh, lawn bowling that kind of started the pro lawn role there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that the same game, lawn bowling, also got off to a good start in the U.S. Um, bowling greens, which I don't know if you anybody's heard of it or not, but there's actually yeah. like towns named after bowling greens mm-hmm. uh, were cultivated in Virginia and Boston before 1650. Wow. And that kind of created the ability for grass to even exist here and grass to be cultivated and that to be a thing that we even know how to do. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So, bocce ball. Yeah. Is that similar to lawn bowling? Because I feel like it's like the same thing, right? I think it is pretty much the same thing, but with like, I think there might be slight differences in the rules. Different rules, yeah. But I think it's like the same concept for sure. So, now that we have like established places where you know you can in the U.S. or in North America in general grow and cultivate grass and keep it healthy and have it be a thing. By the mid-19th century, cities are starting to grow and becoming increasingly industrialized, Mm -hmm. which for a lot of people isn't the prettiest, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's when city beautification campaigns became super common and parks were installed everywhere. Yes. I did a little bit of research into the public park movement with um, Frederick mm-hmm. Law Olmsted in Riverside in Chicago. Yep. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. And one of the things that we learned about growing up, especially as someone who's interested in landscape architecture and all that, is Frederick Law Olmsted. And he was the guy who designed Central Park and also Riverside in Chicago. And it was kind of one of the first planned suburb communities. And like his whole brain thought was that he wanted to create something like, oh, we're in America. We don't have fences. We don't have hedges. We don't, you know, like we're like this big, great open space. So we want it to feel like a public park. So we're going to create this entire community of living humans that feels like a public park. So from one house to the next, this green carpet is rolling out. Which, you know, is great in theory and beautiful design theory, but uh, you're putting the onus on the individual person, which creates a lot of issues in the future. Right. (laughs) But yeah, so that's kind of how, I mean, eventually these lawns are going to migrate from civic centers and parks and stuff of that nature Mm -hmm. into North America's backyards. And Frederick Law Olmsted was a huge... Uh, component of that move Um, but also you have in the middle of the 20th century these developments in like the 1940 late 40s to early 50s one of the most famous ones was Levittown Mm. Um, and it's kind of like that picture you have in your head when you think of 1950s cookie cutter houses like Mm -hmm. uh and it was affordable dwellings. It was post the uh, post war, 
So you have a bunch of GIs coming home in the 50s looking for an inexpensive place to live with their families they've left behind for years. So essentially you have Abraham Levitt and his sons, William and Alfred, build this huge suburb, like I said, called Levitt Town. On, I think the first one was on... Let me find that. Yeah, the first one was on Long Island. And because they built these houses and had lawns pre-built into each one, mm. it was assumed that you would keep up those lawns. And then by the time they were building their second one, because you wouldn't really think that one suburb would have a national impact like that, right? You just wouldn't imagine that could happen. Yeah. One, one 2000 or one housing development in Long Island wouldn't have a na- nationwide effect. But fun fact, this is also where HOAs started. Oh yeah, isn't that mm-hmm. a, oh. <laughs> but um Levittown, New York originally planned 2000 homes, eventually had 6000 homes. <gasps> That's a fuck ton. Wow. A lot of these were financed by the federal government too, right? Like mm-hmm. post World War II. Yeah. Should like for affordable housing for mostly po- like post-war um, so then when four, the four model homes they built went on display at their second planned community in New Jersey, literally in the first weekend, in the first weekend, 30,000 people went through those four houses. Wow. Wow. And you know, you're, you're sitting in the middle of the fifties, so you kind of have this wild, you know, anti- communism uh red scare uh make sure that you fit in because if you don't you might be labeled a communist like make sure that everything's right you have this conformity Mm -hmm. i'm a good neighbor i'm a friendly neighbor yeah exactly and so the saying was that everyone was on the watch for communism and crabgrass because these (laughs) suburbs Because these suburbs were growing so rapidly and people are so focused on keeping up appearances that your lawn had to be perfect all the time, perfectly mowed, perfectly maintained. And so the in the 50s, they were literally like that was literally a thing, you know, like you didn't want your yard to look like shit. So you couldn't have crabgrass and you fucking definitely didn't want communism anywhere near you. Yeah. So you have that. And then you also have the whole huge industrial revolution happening mm-hmm. in the u.s as well so now you have the rotary lawnmower you have effective pesticides which even though they were terrible for the environment worked really well to keep your yard looking nice you have the first weed free grass seed come out you have combined fertilizers and pesticides you have spreaders to make the application of the grass seed incredibly easy mm-hmm. and so out of that development we start to see the weed-free lawn. Oh. Clover, originally, uh, which takes nitrogen from the air and deposits it in the earth so that grass can use it, yeah. good for grass, <laughs> clover is good for grass, was an accepted and even encouraged part of lawns no, really? until the early 50s. Oh, no. And the reason it got taken away from being an accepted part of lawns is because in the earliest Broadleaf 2,4-D herbicide killed it off along with dandelions. Oh, my God. Oh, that breaks my heart. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
Think about how much better the world would be if clover and dandelions were still like an acceptable part of lawn culture. It'd be very different. Like the bees would, I mean, they'd probably still be in turmoil, but like, but maybe not as bad. Not as bad. Yeah. Um. So Gosh. you have these Ugh. kind of post-war developments. I mean, honestly, those explain where the standards for lawns come from. Yeah. Um, and then since then, obviously, you have the lawn is now a fixture of the, uh, and I'm using air quotes for sure, the ideal American dream home. You know, the manicured front, yeah, manicured front lawn with maybe some bushes at the corner and your white picket fence and stuff of that nature mm-hmm. kind of becoming grained as part of the North American experience and the American imagination ran with it and kept it. And so that pursuit of perfection for the lawn is still going today. Not as bad as it was obviously, but it's still going today. Yeah. It's pretty bad. (laughs) And it's just crazy. It's just fucking crazy. Yeah. It's a lot. So you, so essentially the history of the lawn is you go, we went from the sign of an upper class British wealth all the way to being a symbol of the middle class American dream to literally every fucking home having to be surrounded by green grass. I mean, regardless, like whether you live in California, the desert or whether you live in like, you know, the, you know, verdant South or whatever, like it's like you're not American if you don't have a great front lawn, which is so fucking ridiculous. But luckily, yeah. it is changing. We are part of, we actually get to see it changing in real time, which is very exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's cool to be part of a generation that doesn't give a fuck about that kind of shit, you know? And I know that, like, totally. I was about to say not to knock the older generations, but yes, to knock the older generations. That was a <laughs> stupid thing to fucking care about, to keep up appearances of your fucking suburbs. Y'all gave us an unlivable future. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I really just. That's about all I really have. I figured that the more depressing and angering parts of statistics (laughs) and history, I would let Frankie have today because I know that she's incredibly passionate about this. And I can't wait to feel and hear the rage seep out of Frankie's (laughs) existence while we're talking today. It's going to be great. I'm I'm into it. Well, okay. So... For those of you just listening that don't follow me on social media, you might not know, but I am obsessed with seeded grass. I love seeded grass. I don't know when it started, how it started, but I started like going into meadows and looking at all the different kinds of seeded grass and collecting it. And I have so many bundles of dried grasses at this point in my life. Like just the other day I was foraging for grass and this lady started yelling at me and she was like, what are you picking? I was like, grass. She was like, just grass? I was like, yeah, just grass. And she literally just had grass. no idea what to do with the fact that I was picking something that literally had no value when it was seeded. Like, <laughs> it had no value to her. And she was like, oh, well, um, as long as it's just grass, it's fine. And like, walked away. And I was like, uh, like, cool. 
thanks i guess wildflowers it would be different like i'm in a parking lot lady like what the fuck is your problem you don't own this land you can't stop (laughs) stop doing that stop your shit (gasps) but that's the thing about grass that like i love it and i don't understand how it's only appreciated when it's in this form of like cut so short like uh, anyways whatever i mean i can (sighs) I can understand from a design standpoint why lawns were a thing. Yeah. I guess. You know, I just don't. I just think that it's another one of those situations where you just didn't, it didn't need to be as prolific as it was. And also, nobody took into account the long-term effects. Totally. You know? Totally. And it like, that's really the problem is that it's become this culture. It's not a gardening technique. It is an expected standard. At this point. Right. And so people are like doing things that are really bad for the environment. It's like a death by small cuts. You know, if everyone is doing it, it's really bad. (laughs) And like there really are no alternatives, especially when you bring HOAs into the conversation. Like you have to have this perfectly manicured uh, You have to have this perfectly manicured grass to have the entire neighborhood look. But the truth is like when that's the expected standard, it's bad for the environment like i can give you some horrifying numbers are you ready <laughs> i want to make one quick aside yes, that i think is funny do. that i saw i don't know i don't know how true it is i haven't i haven't fact checked this but if it is true it's pretty fucking cool um apparently if you're dealing with an hoa it is illegal for them to impede the building of a radio tower really? so if they're telling you that you have to do something you can be like well I guess that since I now feel like I can't do what I originally wanted to, my second, my backup plan was to have a 50-foot radio tower installed in my backyard, and that is FCC protected. So (laughs) you can't tell me I'm not allowed to do that. So either A, I will go ahead with my original plan, or B, I'm going to build a 50-foot radio tower, which you can do for practically free because there are government grants. I love that. So actually, let's start with HOAs. Um, I read this really incredible article from Psychology Today. It was called Strange Psychology of American Lawn. I'll post it on the website and everything. It's it's awesome. But like people are still being jailed and fined for not mowing their lawns today. Like current news. <laughs> they went into detail in this Illinois mm-hmm. resident who was jailed in 2016 for not mowing their lawn. And also in 2019, a Florida resident who was fined $30,000 for having grass over 10 inches. $30,000? $30,000 for grass over 10 inches. I just don't think I could ever live anywhere that had an HOA. Honestly, I don't don't think I could do it. I just don't think I could. I don't want to. But we already know that I'm not a good neighbor. (laughs) I'm very like polite. I will not play music. I will not be loud. I will just like love on my plants and grow my grass to like 18 inches long till it's seeded and beautiful and flowering. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I've almost unintentionally let my grass grow that tall. I feel like my neighbors would hate me forever if I didn't mow my lawn, though. Yeah, nobody tell my landlord, but I planted corn in the front yard. (laughs) (laughs) But to be fair, he owns over 500 houses in this town. God. Like, he cannot keep up with any of them. He would never know that I grew corn. So wealthy. (sighs) 
anyways, <clears throat> so yeah, the numbers of HOAs are kind of wild. 53% of homes have an HOA, and that is 40 million homeowners, and that is over 351,000 HOAs in the U.S. Fuck. <laughs> I hate that. Absolutely despise that. Oh, unfortunately, if you interview a lot of people with HOAs, they're like, yeah, HOAs are great. Like, it ups our property value. It makes us, like, resellable and stuff, which, okay, totally cool. Totally get. But also, it has a racist fucking history. Surprise, surprise. Oh, well, I mean, we are in America. <laughs> we are in America. Frankly. Guess what? It's rooted in redlining. Oh, God. Yeah. It started with something called Gentleman's Agreement, which already sounds racist to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, only a straight white man would say that. So, yeah. Yeah. It was the start of like trying to back in like, you know, what you were talking about post-World War II. It was like trying to basically curate these neighborhoods that were somewhat middle class suburbs. And to try to keep the cost up, they, you know quote-unquote curated who would live there and mm -hmm. what they would do. But the Fair Housing Act of 1968 um, made a lot of that illegal. But it still, like, at this point, the damage had been done and, the like, the um, the culture had been set. So it's Yeah, kind just of because like, you... It, it's... It, you can't just make it illegal yeah. and not dismantle what was built using it. Absolutely. So, like, the fact that those communities weren't dismantled and changed structurally mm -hmm. means that just making it illegal just means that there won't be more of them. Not that the ones exactly. that exist are not going to be equally as terrible as they always have been. Exactly. So it spread, and these HOAs spread with the knowledge of, oh, this is the expected standard that we have to keep undesirables and keep our, na our neighborhoods curated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the impact grew, regardless right. of the legality. Man, you know, it's just absolutely... Every once in a while, I just wish that there was, like, a refreshing story about the history of the United <laughs> States that, like... There's not. I'm sorry, baby, but this one... <laughs> like, Especially when you include plants, like, nah. Just, just one episode <laughs> that wasn't just total, absolute shit. But there's just, there's just not. You're telling me the fact that us white people kicked out all of the protectors of this land and suddenly we're talking about land history and it's all shit and racist? Yeah. Like, what? Oh my God, didn't know. It's not surprising. It's not surprising. It is depressing, but it's not surprising. I actually went into a little bit of that history where it was like, yeah, the Native Americans cultivated a lot of this land for idealistic hunting and fishing and then the European settlers, colonists came in and they like brought all this grass that kind of fucked everything over because their livestock wanted to graze and the, like, the livestock yeah. killed everything that was here. And then they starved to death and started dying. So they're like, oh no, we need to keep our livestock alive. So they started importing clover and all of the kind of field crops and weeds. And here we are. <laughs> it's just absolutely crazy that that's like... Literally, you came over to a utopian place. Blissful. Literal utopian place. Yeah. And took no note of anything that they were doing naturally oh to be efficient. And yeah. just 
mowed it down. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure I could make some money off of these <laughs> thousand year old fucking walnut trees that are as big around as my fucking house. We'll just cut them down. Whatever. Chill. Chill, 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 chill. Uh, yes, yes. Um, literally, colonists came in and were like, we can do this better. And um, I love this quote, so I will share this quote now. Um, it is from The Lawn, A History of an American Obsession, 1994, by Virginia Scott Jenkins. American front lawns are a symbol of man's control of or superiority over his environment. Mm-hmm. Bing, bing. Yes. We like the, like the control. And I think that's like the wider argument that a lot of people currently and you and I are making is that like we are not separate from what is outside of us. We are not separate from what's in our front lawns. To have control yeah. over it means to destroy it. It means to break down the natural environment that you are literally a part of whether you want to be or not. So right. maybe try to coexist and be a part of just saying i mean i feel like scream it from the mountaintops you know <laughs> like it's it's a hard concept you want to talk about disgusting numbers now oh god i'm scared should we save that for last i don't know <laughs> no i think you sh- i think you should send it now let's do it let's get it out of the way all right it's time so in 2005 nasa did this study where they flew over all of the u.s and they marked how many square miles and acres of lawn there was. So they came up with a number of around 40 million acres, which for perspective is about the size of North Carolina or Florida or Georgia. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, hold on, hold on. I have to, I have to, I have to, hold on. Million acres to let's just process this together, y'all. Yeah, so 40 million acres. 40 million acres mm-hmm. is the equivalent of fucking 62,500 square miles of land. I only, I only use that, translate it that way because I feel like a mile is a little bit easier in my brain to process oh, than an totally, acre. I have totally. a better grip of that. 62,500. I'm not going to get over it. I'm going to have nightmares about that tonight. So North Carolina could literally be a blanket of grass. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Front lawns. Yeah, specifically. Wait, just front lawns? Oh, I mean lawns. Or just lawns in general. Yeah, I say front lawn because like... Basically, the gardener mindset, this is a little bit of history too. The gardener mindset was that front lawns were public and backyards were gardens, which were private. And so mm-hmm. like a lot of it came from the automobile where the automobiles were driving by. And so they were like, oh, we need to have curb appeal, quote unquote. And so front yeah, yeah. lawns were to be attractive to the driving by automobile, whereas the backyards were private and they were gardens for you. Right, right, right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm just. I. I don't. How many numbers do you have? Because that one's me up already. <laughs> Buckle up, Buttercups. <laughs> once again. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Next one. <clears throat> we spend on front lawns as a country thirty billion dollars per year. <laughs> what? I feel like that's significantly more than the amount of money it would take to end homelessness. It is a lot. Um, wait, actually, I need to look up this number now. How much is needed to end homelessness? 
20 billion. That's 10 billion more than to end homelessness we spend on our lawns. <laughs> in a year. In a year. In a year. Annually. Yes, annually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. You ready for this one, Mr. Farmer Friend? It is the largest monocrop in the U.S., and it is three times more than irrigated corn. I don't know. I don't have words for that. <laughs> I um. Yeah. No. And it doesn't provide us with anything. It is literally no. just an ego thing. <laughs> Should we take a breather? Should we have like a like a little? No. Just break? do it. Let's just do it. Let's just go for it. <laughs> break my brain, Frankie. In the entirety of the U.S., one third, an entire third of our water consumption are for lawns, which equals seven billion gallons per day of water. Per day, seven billion. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel like it's easy to put me in a position where I'm speechless. <laughs> It's hard on a podcast, too, you know? It's coming across, but Daniel's just staring at me right now over Zoom. I don't have a... I just don't have... I don't... Those <laughs> numbers are just not... They don't compute in my brain. Yeah. Like, that, that is... Oh, a, that's absurd. No, literally, I was tweeting earlier today. I was like, I knew that it was bad, but as I'm finishing my research, I am literally nauseous. I am nauseous over these numbers. Like, the you- statistics are... F- fucking wild (laughs) so what i've gathered so far to Mm -hmm, put it mm -hmm, succinctly mm -hmm. is that we could end homelessness (laughs) bathe the entire world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and drape an entire state in lawns yep yeah pretty much but i have more for you you ready (laughs) Mm. yeah (laughs) All right, y'all, we're going to get through this together. Don't worry. Digitally hold our hands. Right now we're holding hands when we're thinking about the love <laughs> that grass gives to us. So in 2011, <laughs> oh my God, 26.7 million tons of pollutants went into the environment from lawnmowers and leaf blowers alone. 26, 22.7? 26.7 million tons of pollutants. 26.7 Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. You got more mm-hmm. for me. Let's just fucking, let's rapid mm-hmm, fire. Mm-hmm, let's, mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's go, well, let's go, let's go, let's so go. Let's, go. let's actually expand on that a little bit because the problem with leaf blowers and lawnmowers, again, is that there's zero pollution control. Like at least with our cars, we have to get them inspected and what impact they have on the environment matters. But with lawnmowers mm-hmm. and leaf blowers, no one gives a shit. Everyone wants your perfect front lawn, so they're not going to dissuade you from that. You don't have to register that. Yeah. <sighs> All right, last fact. Whew. This one's a doozy. So, if for nothing else, don't put pesticides in your lawn. In 2012, 59 million pounds of pesticides were used in residential lawns, which, by the way, they have proven is tracked back into your house. They have found residue in carpets, which affects your children. So, do not use pesticides on your lawns. I mean, at what point? I just don't understand how lawns are so ornamental that you're making them dangerous to be in. Yes, exactly. What is going on? What are we thinking? Why are we doing this? (laughs) There's no logical answer. Like, I mean, I can, I can get like, 
I can get like the mindset that like if you have kids and dogs and you like and you have a lawn, it's nice to have a well manicured lawn that yes, feels good and absolutely. is like clean and and all of that. But if you're spraying pesticides on the damn thing, what are you doing? You can just let your kids out in that. No, you don't want your kids tromping around in that. You don't want that in their water supply. Like what? What? I did a little bit of the counter argument because it is important to see the other side of things. And a lot of the counter arguments are one of the best ones I found was the argument for keeping things cooler. Like as we've learned, I mean, at least like I've learned a little bit about environmental racism and during redlining, like how redline districts are hotter than non-redline districts. Mm -hmm. And that has a lot to do with grass. Like grass is 20 degrees cooler than dirt and 40 degrees cooler than cement. So that affects a lot of, you know, ambient uh, temperature. But that's not specifically cut grass. But you're not going to just leave a dirt. You're not going to have dirt. Yeah. Open (laughs) dirt or pavement. It's not like lawns are going to pavement. Yeah, exactly. That's like a weak yeah. ass argument, in my opinion, because that means that you're you're ruling out any possibility of putting anything else in a lawn but dirt or asphalt. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you know that trees work better than that? Oh, put a fucking tree in your lawn. <laughs> yeah, for real. That okay? That that yeah. okay? Whatever. Yeah. I'm not. Anyways, I'm, well I'm sorry. I'm trying hard, to but... you know respect all sides. Here we go. So the other argument is that. Um, it's really good for erosion control, having grass. Which, how do I feel about As that, Daniel? <laughs> would any other fucking... <laughs> Again. It's not like we're fucking trying to create a goddamn dust bowl. What the, what the fuck is... No. I'm done. That's I'm done with that. Um, the final argument is tick control. So, let's get into this. Because, like, I have been having feelings about ticks. Fuck a tick. Ticks are the worst. Ticks are probably... So gross. Do I like ticks better or mosquitoes better? I don't know. I hate them both. What, what would you do? Okay. Um, what is it called? <laughs> would you rather? Would you rather kill off every tick or would you rather kill off every mosquito? I say mosquito personally. So tick control, I guess I could potentially get. But I do have to say every study I looked into and I have to preface this by saying every study has been very small looking for specific types of ticks so the science isn't really there yet i am preface this by prefacing this by saying that because i don't want you to think like oh this is solid science because it's not it hasn't been looked into enough but every study that has been done shows that long grass does not equal more ticks but it does equal more bees up to 111 new species or not new species of native bees that are replenished by this wild long grass yeah i mean it just stands to reason honestly and um you know as annoying as ticks are that i do think they're disgusting little fucking beasts i don't not a not sitting over here trying to say that i stand ticks or anything but also it's a bug that exists they're gross nobody likes them what eats ticks possums so would possums be replenished by long grass? <laughs> <laughs> so ticks are eaten by ants, spiders, and birds. So I don't and know. Possums. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass here, but I just kind of feel like if we replenished the wild nature, they would probably take care of a lot of the ticks. I'm, I'm sure that they would. It's a natural balance of things. Yes. 
Okay. So, you know what? We've talked a lot of shit. Well, okay. You know what? I'm going to call it. deserve it. I'm going to call it talking manure because it's not talking shit. It's talking manure. We're not trying to like scorched earth lawns. We're trying to build a better future. And at this point in time, like lawns are not what we need as a society anymore. Like if you look at. They serve. What? Go ahead. Sorry. I said they serve no purpose. They serve no purpose. Zero purpose. Zero. And so if you look at like climate change. And the resources we have and the things that need rebuilding, like lawns don't service any of that. They are taking away instead of adding. So, you know, we're talking manure about it. And I kind of, you know, that's the new term. I like that. I mean, I'm still going to say I'm talking shit about it. it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not trying to tear down. We're trying to build up. Like we're trying to rehabilitate this earth that we live on together. All together, we are a community. So let's talk about solutions. Ground covers. Ground covers are fantastic solutions to lawn. Like let's say, okay, the disabled community, like I understand not being able to take care of a lawn, not being able to take care of even just like perennial plants that might need trimming and that sort of thing. Ground covers are great for that because they literally live on, if you get a native one, on the rainfall that you have. And so they will just do their thing by themselves and look beautiful. Yeah, no worries. For a lot of places, that looks like creeping thyme, which everyone mm-hmm. loves thyme. It smells amazing. And it's pretty. And it flowers with cute, pretty little flowers. Oh, thyme, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thyme is, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So I went to, one of my favorite things here is the... um Herb Fest. We have this herb festival mm-hmm. that is incredible. And I saw one time 20 different species of herbs in one day. And I was like, these are all little fairy plants. I love them so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> we love a little herb fairy plant. Frankie's love for herbs is immense and deep. It's immense and deep. I'm an herbalist at heart. I went to school as a graphic designer. But I had a great uncle who was like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you go into landscape design? Like, that's where the money's at. That's where you should go. And at first I was like, oh, yeah, haha, whatever. You don't know. You don't know my life. Ugh, whatever. Right. And now I'm like, fuck, why didn't I go into landscape design? <laughs> I mean, I feel like you still could. Thinking about teaching people about native plants and what they should plant in their yard that is good for the environment is just like dream. Dream. Ideal. Ideal. Then that's why I'm here ranting about this to you all now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of native plants, before I go on to solutions, this is something that you should know. There is a website that I will post on our website, propagatedpodcast.com, and it is called the Native Plant Finder. And if you enter in your location, it will tell you everything that is native there that is good for the bees, good for the pollinators, good for everything, no matter where you live. What? I love that. Yeah. So, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, there's that resource. I found it today. I was very excited about it. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Native plant finder. Native plants. So I do want to talk a little bit before we wrap it up about xeriscaping, which is mm-hmm. a really, really cool subsection of landscape design. What, t- what do you know about xeriscaping? I really don't know that much about it. I've heard the term. Um, but I'm not that familiar with it. I assume that it has to do with like zero non-natives, mm-hmm. but that's the breadth of my knowledge, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So it's X-E-R-I-S-C-A-P-E, Xeriscape. And it is basically creating a landscape which requires no irrigation. 
Okay. Yeah. I like that. I learned about it in when I lived in New Mexico because a lot of places like New Mexico and Texas and Arizona and California, where it's mostly desert, they have a lot of lawns that are just rocks. And (laughs) I had a friend that once that was like, what is this place? Your front lawns are just rocks. (laughs) 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 But it's creating this irrigated systems where it's cacti and rocks and native plants. And so like Mm -hmm. it doesn't need any watering like it irrigates itself like you are working with the landscape you have to create something that is sustainable yeah i love that that's dope so it'd be really cool i think to introduce it more into this side of the country of like a lot of times that looks the same but like we have a lot more lush native plants here and so a front yard might look like you know, flocks and thyme and chamomile and rhododendrons and trees with hostas beneath mm-hmm. them and all kinds of stuff like that, you know, which would be really cool. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Um, let's open up a landscaping business. Yes. Yes. Can we call it propagated? <laughs> we'll have the gated part uh, capitalized. Okay. So I would love to end this discussion on a quote unless you have anything else you'd like to say no i think that you killed it honestly sweet i love grass i mean and you also killed my soul a little bit too with those numbers but whatever we'll we'll get over it by the way seeded grass is the most beautiful thing on planet earth ever always oh my gosh i can't believe how beautiful (laughs) it is i just look at seeded grass and i'm like how are you real you are so beautiful okay so here's a quote it is from Nature's Best Hope, A New Approach to Conservation That Starts in Your Yard by Douglas W. Tallamy. <laughs> it's a long quote, so you gotta, get right for it, you <laughs> gotta know. brace yourself. <laughs> what if each American landowner made it a goal to convert half of their lawn to produce native plant communities? Even moderate success could collectively restore some semblance of ecosystem function to more than 20 million acres of what is now Mm. ecological wasteland. How big is 20 million acres? It is bigger than the combined areas of the Everglades, Yellowstone, Yosemite, Grand Tetons, Canyonlands, Mount Rainier, North Cascades, Badlands, Olympic, Olympic, Sequoia, Grand Canyon, Denali, and the Great Smoky Mountains National Park combined. If we restore the ecosystem function of these 20 million acres, we can create the country's largest park system. God, how And all crazy. it starts with mowing half of your lawn less. That's it. Wow. Yeah. That's baffling, honestly. Pretty cool. <sighs> so Man, lawns, yeah. <laughs> lawns. <laughs> If you'd ever told 13-year-old me that I would be this passionate about lawns, <laughs> I would have been like, you're a fucking idiot. Stop. Go away. Oh, I don't know when it started <laughs> or where it started, but I kind of love it. Like, this is like my life's passion, I feel like. I just, I see a piece of seeded grass and I'm like, I have to tell the world about this. <laughs> I have to tell the world. Sing it from the mountaintops. <laughs> okay. To end on, I don't have a fact, but I do have a fun story. I just heard from my dear friend, who we will call Dahlia because she does not want to be named. Dahlia is her favorite flower. So, um, <laughs> She got stung for the first time in her life. 
And she was like freaking out. She's laying on the couch. She's calling out to her partner. And she's like, get me a cigarette. Get me a cigarette. And he was like, what? Why? 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 Okay, I'll get you a cigarette. And like she couldn't communicate because, you know, she had that like giant rush of adrenaline that comes with being stuck. Mm -hmm. That like she had learned that chewing tobacco and putting a like poultice of tobacco on your bee sting helps draw out the poison. (laughs) But she couldn't communicate that. So all she was yelling was, get me a cigarette. Get me a cigarette. cigarette. He's like, you don't even smoke. <laughs> I bet that was so confusing for for her partner too. That's a lot. I love it so much. I feel like I would be that person. I'd be like, I need a poultice. You don't understand. You don't understand. Get me the fucking cigarette. I didn't. I don't need a reason. Just do it. Uh, chew on it now. Chew on it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's it. That's lawns. Thank you all for hanging out there. I hope maybe at least my my like dream goal would be that someone listening to this mows at least just a little bit less of their lawn, which would make me very, very, very just very happy. any amount less. Yes. And send us pictures. Uh, I also wanted to talk about I forgot to talk about, but there is this movement called hashtag no mow May. And I know we're out of May. But there was a huge movement during May where people didn't mow their lawns. And it was like so beautiful, the results. I tried to retweet everyone I found. And it was really For cool. next year. Yeah. For next year. No mow May, but also no mow ever. Just saying. <laughs> like it's possible. You could yeah. do it. Yeah. Check out our website. We'll have resources for you all to see the things that you could possibly plant instead of grass. Or I know it's expensive up front. So... Especially if you live somewhere, you could do it year over year over year, and eventually it'll take, it'll actually pay for itself because it irrigates itself, and you know, as it grows, yeah. you don't need to care for it. It's a it, slow, so. slow build, but yeah. you know, it's better than nothing. Yeah. So you can find our website, propagatedpodcast.com. You can find that spelling in the title of wherever you are listening right now. <laughs> yeah, because we don't spell well or pronounce well <laughs> on this podcast so we're just gonna leave that burden of a uh, of work on you sorry <laughs> sorry listener you're gonna have to you're do welcome. that one on your own <laughs> you can also find us on instagram or twitter we are propagated podcast or propagated pod pod is on twitter because twitter has a limited number of things you can spell but if you type it in it'll come up so and there's also a lot of words when you can just literally go to our website and all you have to know is the name of the podcast yeah, it's all, on there. all the links you could possibly need are there including the link to our patreon yes if you'd like to become a plant zaddy and get some extra content and some extra love from us uh-huh we just made really awesome stickers we would love for you to do that but no pressure i know it's been a weird year for everyone so yeah absolutely but we do have a plant zaddy to shout out it is uh eric Larson, Larson. Just kidding. It's my brother. I love him to death. Thank you so much, Eric. <laughs> it was so cute. Oh, uh, I thought you literally came into that unprepared for a second. No, I was like, no. that is very not Frankie. Is like, what the fuck is she doing? No, it's my brother. It's my like ride or die favorite person on earth. But um, he signed up for the tier for a free T-shirt, and I was like, yo, bro, what's your T-shirt size? And he was like, eh, I don't want it. And I was like, uh, okay, cool. (laughs) But then like, he was like, oh, actually make it for, you know, our baby who is almost two. And I was like, hell yeah. So I made this tiny itty bitty t-shirt. The screen barely filled. So cute. Oh, she's going to look so cute. But yes. So thank you so much. We appreciate all of our patrons. You guys are the 
best. We have so much fun over there. We appreciate all of you. I love sending you handwritten notes because, mm, you know, it's a thing that went out of style and never needs to go out of style. Handwritten notes are the best. Such a cute thing. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? If we said anything wrong or if we didn't cover something you would love to talk about or you want to send us pictures, email us at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com. Give us that engagement. We Give us that engagement. It. We love to talk with y'all. Also, please leave us a review if you are listening somewhere that has reviews. They help us a whole lot and they also make us very happy. So, all right. So I think that's it. Yeah. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to say one, two, three, fuck lawns together. Okay, ready? One, okay. two, three, fuck lawns. Fuck lawns. Yeah. Was I supposed to say the one, two, three, two? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was confused. It's okay. I'm proud of you all. Um, <laughs> try to be, you know, just like, you know, a quarter of a yard better. Love you all. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs>